Is there a solution for the ever-growing anti-Semitism in American universities? One professor has a brilliant idea. Do Jewish women feel like they are second-class citizens? Here are their surprising answers. And forget La Mer, your favorite fruit might be the solution to skin damage, says an Israeli startup called Avomed. This is the Weekly Squeeze, the only Jewish news podcast of its kind, and I am your host, Hanala. With some great news for you, in a world obsessed with political correctness, there's still someone willing to speak their mind and make you laugh, hopefully. And guess what? I have some more great news for you, so let's get to it. There's actually a lot of good news, a lot of nice stories, and I'm happy to share with you, dear listener, wherever you are. I hope this show inspires you and leaves you in a good mood and maybe, maybe even motivates you to leave me a five-star rating in the show notes. It's not that complicated. It's really, take a second, tap on the name of the show, people figure it out, and so can you. This week, I had the pleasure of going to a Shweki concert and meeting the man backstage. He put on a great show. I have to say, I was impressed because I said, can we take a photo together? And he was like, with the husband, with the husband. And that's really the way to do it. So go Shweki for being consistent in your values and for putting on a epic concert in Haifa that we really enjoyed. Also, a shout out to the woman super excited to see me and take a selfie because she follows me on social media. I think her husband was more excited than she was because she got distracted <laughs> when the lights dimmed and he was just like, oh my God, that's Hanala, which is kind of what I did when I saw Shweki. I was like, oh my God, that's Shweki. Good times. All right. Um, some controversial things that I also plan on sharing this week. But first, a little story that took place here in Beit Shemesh, where I live last week on Friday. Um, I heard this first person from Joel Steinberg, who shared it with the press. <laughs> it feels first person because he lives in my neighborhood, but this is what he recounts happened Friday down the block from me. He said that he was walking with his wife, probably here in the Merkaz, which is up the hill, where people do their shopping and buy challah and get groceries, and there's lots of Jewish people hustling and bustling Arab Shabbos. And he got a call on his walkie-talkie that an older woman had fainted in the Merkaz. So, of course, he zoomed right over, and he treated her with some other medics who were on call. She was extremely anxious, he says, and she was beginning to hyperventilate. And the medics obviously wanted to calm her down. You want to calm down someone who's lying on the floor hyperventilating. And she asked if they could sing her a Shabbos song. And that's what they did. So Yol Steinberg says that, luckily, I'm a professional singer. I sing at weddings. He was very excited to perform. He actually even had a kazoo in his pocket. So he starts singing Shabbos songs to her. And he just describes how... Slowly but surely, the color returned to her face. We saw her vitality return, and after a few minutes, she was completely back to herself. And he just says that, you know, over the years, obviously, he's assisted in numerous emergencies, and he never saw something like this. He never saw a Shabbos song just bring a person back to life, a person that was completely in, in, in a stage of panic. Um, but he you know, he derived from that. Well, obviously, that's exactly what Shabbos does for our neshamas every week. Every week, Shabbos is a soothing balm for our neshama, our weekly neshama, our Shabbos neshama, and we experience that sense of peace when Shabbos comes in, when we light Shabbos candles, and clearly the neshama of this woman reacted to the Shabbos song 
and she felt peace and was able to calm herself down. And even though I missed all the excitement, I still got a great lesson out of it, and I hope you did too. So my mother sent me a WhatsApp the other hour. (laughs) I was going to say the other day, but she calls me and messages me throughout the day. So she sent me a WhatsApp um, while I was sleeping because we're seven hours ahead here in Israel. And it was a link to 50, the 50 best Jewish jokes. And she writes, it's cute to collect jokes for the podcast to say at the appropriate time. And now, my friends, is the appropriate time. So here we go. Adam was walking through Garden Eden, feeling very lonely. So God asked him, what's wrong, Adam? Adam said he didn't have anyone to talk to. God thought for a minute and then said that he was going to make him a companion and that it would be called Wonderful. Wonderful will gather food for you, cook for you, agree with your every decision, bear your children, never ask you to get up in the middle of the night to take care of them, never nag you, be the first to admit wrong when you've had a disagreement, and Wonderful never gives you a headache. Adam inquired, what will Wonderful cost? God replied, an arm and a leg. To which Adam answered, well, what could I get for a rib? (laughs) What could you get for a rib? You can get wonderful who doesn't do any of those things, but she's still wonderful. And that's wonderful. Imagine, though, that there were two of you, whether you're a husband or a wife, how convenient would it be if there were two of you so that one can take a nap and the other could take, uh, take out the garbage? Or one could practice yoga and the other one can wash the dishes. I always say there's we're, we're so severely outnumbered. My kids need four parents per child, not the other way around. So how convenient would it be if there were two of me? Well, I'm looking at a picture of what appears to be two identical families. The husbands are identical, the wives are identical, and the children are identical. What happened? <laughs> These are real people, okay? They even had a TV show. I'm going to tell you about them. But first, the headline Twins who marry twins share how their sons are genetically brothers as well as cousins. So what happened? I'm sure you've wondered about this. I mean, don't kid yourself. We've all wondered what it would be like if identical twins married identical twins. Would their babies be identical? And the answer is not really. But they are genetically siblings. So these two first cousins are technically brothers as well, genetically. So technically, they're cousins. Genetically, they're brothers whose parents are a little weird. The article was cute, and then it started getting really weird because apparently everything they do is identical. So they got married to identical twins, and then they proposed with identical rings, and then they got married on the same day in identical dresses in a place called Twinsville, Ohio, which is just either extremely random or on purpose. And then they had their babies at the same time. And now they're kind of raising their kids together as one big family unit. So there you have it. If you've ever wondered what it's like to be a twin, married to twins, having a bunch of similar looking babies, well, now you know, it's just weird. And probably nobody will be your friend. I have no issues with twins per se. I have the cutest twin nephews. And that's working out great. That's right. This episode has been brought to you by Get Fit Ima, also known as Ilanit. And Ilanit wants you to know that she has a free three-day challenge that she's going to send right to your inbox with YouTube workouts, her free eBooks, including quick and easy meal plan secrets. And she is going to get you started. She's going to get your engine revving so that you can 
conquer your health and nutrition goals. It doesn't matter what they are. We all have something we are trying to work on. We all have something that needs a little tweaking, a little improvement. I know that I like to work with somebody that will, you know, keep their eye on me and remind me that I got this. I could do it. I'm a winner. And that's what Ilanita is for. She knows her stuff and she wants to offer you the opportunity to learn from her and she has great energy. So head over to my show links, click on the link, sign up for her three-day challenge. It's an email, but it's so much more than that. Join her WhatsApp group. She will be there for you. A blast of positive energy. And when it comes to taking care of yourself, it's got to be all positive. So head over to my show notes, click on the link, get in touch with Ilanit. And before you know it, you will be a different person because what you think becomes what you feel becomes what you do. So think good thoughts, feel good things, and make good choices. Ilanit from Get Fit Ima. The link is in my show notes. All right. Anti-Semitism has been flourishing around the world forever and certainly more than ever in the United States, especially in universities where students and professors are finding themselves harassed, shamed, and silenced by anti-Israel and anti-Semitic activist groups and other students. So now we have all these parents of these young students that are looking to get a, a head start on life and degrees for their careers and training for their lifelong goals, whatever they might be. And they're having trouble getting into and staying into universities simply because they are Jewish and don't feel comfortable. Well, Professor Harvey Lithwick, a professor in economics from Carleton University, Ottawa, has a brilliant idea. He lives here in Israel. He co-founded the Negev Center for Regional Development at Ben-Gurion University. Basically, he's a smart dude. And his idea was, why don't we create an entire college system here in Israel. That's what he proposes. This is the solution. You create here in Israel a new English-speaking university, and it's designed after the best American schools so that all these North American families can send their college-age children here in Israel, where they could attend an incredible school and get the degrees that they need and be taught by the most amazing Jewish scholars, all these professors from around the world who don't want to teach in schools where they're throwing Palestinian flags in their faces, they can come here. The best Jewish minds will be teaching the best Jewish minds. It's like a win-win situation. And sure, it's a massive undertaking, but Israel could pull that off. I mean, every prime minister wants to boast that he created deep alliances with American Jews and that he's reaching out across the across the sea. Well, this is a perfect opportunity. It's a grand project, but it will help Israelis and Jews abroad. And it'll be a stick in the face to everyone who's like, well, we'll show the Jews who's boss here. Well, you know what? We don't need your stinking universities. We got our own. Am Yisrael Chai. I like that idea a lot. You know what else I like? I like this guy, Corey Gilshuster, and he has a whole series of YouTube videos where he basically asks the same question to Palestinians and to Jews, and then he films their responses. Now, the videos are like 7 to 15 minutes long, and he's either in a Jewish neighborhood or in a Palestinian neighborhood. I don't know exactly what his story is and why everybody feels comfortable talking to him, but he walks around with a translator And he asks really tough questions to random Jews and Palestinians. And I'll give you some examples. 
He asks Palestinians, do you listen to Israeli music? And then you have a whole bunch of Palestinians sharing their answer. And the answers are often surprising, especially on the Israeli side. The Palestinians are just like, they stole our land, they stole our land, wah, wah. Anyways, there's so many great questions. They ask, um, they ask Israeli soldiers if they hate Palestinians. They ask Palestinians um, if they have any doubts about the Quran. Uh, they ask about... Um, do you, you know, if people think that they're brainwashed in their opinions, and it just really gives you a, and, and it's all subtitled, by the way, so you can watch it big kef and understand. But today's video actually really like caught my eye right away because usually the questions are about the Israel um, Arab conflict. And today's video was out of the blue, so random. It was titled Ultra Orthodox Women Do You Feel Second Class in Your Society? And I was like, I gotta watch this. I was not disappointed. He interviewed. Um, like 10 different random women on the street and he just asked them on the spot, do you feel second class in your society? And every single woman responded, uh, no. And some of the husbands were like, are you kidding? We're the second class citizens in our society. The women are first class. And, and it was so clear that here in Israel, Orthodox women are free to explore their talent, work as they please, say as they please, you know, do the things that are important to them. And they're respected by their husbands. And that doesn't come as a surprise to me because traditional Torah values demands and expects that a husband uh, respects and treats his wife with honor like a queen. So I was very glad. To, I want to hear that question. Do you feel second class in your society? Asked the Palestinian. So I am going to be sitting right here waiting for that video to drop next week because he asks the same questions in the from neighborhoods as he does in the Palestinian neighborhoods, or I should say in the Jewish neighborhoods. And I want to see the Arabs say that the women are first-class citizens. Let me tell you something. They ain't. So, yeah. Except when it comes to encouraging their children to be terrorists. Then then they're very vocal about their opinions and allowed to scream it from the rooftops. Um, but, yeah, it's a totally different mentality. I once actually saw a hysterical TikTok where this guy is showing that he, this Arab guy, that he knows martial arts and he can defeat anyone. And you see him with his opponent, face his opponent, and kind of flip him over on his back. And, you know, he, you're good to go. And then he turns to face his next opponent, and it's his mother with a flip-flop in her hand. And she just beats the living hummus out of him with that flip-flop. And he goes down so fast. And it's a funny video because you can defeat anyone, but an Arab woman with a temper, oh boy, oh boy. All right, I'm going to wrap this segment up with a joke my mother did not send me. An American man, an Israeli man, and an Arab are all on a plane. Suddenly, the pilot comes over the PA and says the plane is going to crash if they don't get rid of some unnecessary weight. So the American throws a bag of hamburgers out of his suitcase and tosses it out the window and says, not a problem, I've got plenty of these where I come from. The Arab guy somehow produces an entire barrel of oil and tosses it out saying, not a problem, I got plenty of this where I come from. The Israeli guy thinks for a minute and then grabs the Arab and throws him out the window. That's right. Speaking of people falling from places, a 15-year-old boy is in moderate condition after falling while on a hike in Nahal Zavitan. That is such a hard hike. Oh, my goodness gracious. Rescuers forced to use an ATV, then go on foot to reach him. So my experience with hiking in Israel is as follows. I went on a seminary hike, and I wanted to be prepared, so I got myself a pair of Doc Martin boots, except they weren't Doc Martin boots. They were whatever the guy on Ben Yehuda Street told me they were. And they fell apart on the trip, and I was hiking in flip-flops, but I'm pretty, I'm okay. Like, I could, you know, I managed despite that. But the hike went on so long that by the time we 
The truth is we didn't even finish the hike. I think we called the paramedics. We were all sunburnt, exhausted. Uh, one girl was calling her brother in New York, insisting that he send out a helicopter to retrieve her from the jungle that is Israel. And it was, you know, it wasn't the most amazing experience in my life. Other than that, I had one small but very traumatic incident last year when I was hiking with my husband, and it was boiling hot, and we didn't have enough water, and it was... Basically, he fainted, and then the paramedics had to come, and it took them an hour and a half, and it was just, it was, and oh, I was wearing a cast also, so that kind of added to the fact <laughs> it was a disaster. But but otherwise, most of my hikes here in Israel have been um, pretty amazing, and I do wonder when I'm hiking how people don't get hurt every single day, but it turns out they really do. Apparently, a 15-year-old boy fell off a cliff when he was hiking with his friends. It's summertime here. I'm sure it was very hot, but usually Israelis are prepared. They're wearing backpacks. They have water, walking sticks, but he must have, you know, missed a, missed a step. And he ended up hundreds of feet down in the, in the mountain. And it was complicated to get him out. And thankfully they evacuated him with injuries. But Baruch Hashem, this has a happy ending. He had surgery and he seems to be doing okay. But hiking in Israel is not for the faint of heart especially if you have a heat rash susceptibility. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back a few episodes. All right, life can be hard sometimes, but you know what they say, when life gives you avocados, make guacamole. Unless, of course, you're paying $3 per avocado, which can be the case considering there is a shtickle shortage of avocados. And considering that Americans eat almost eight pounds of avocados per year... That could be very stressful. I mean, that's the sentiment I picked up in our family chat when this conversation was being had. It was, the emotions were high. The emotions were high when my siblings were recognizing that they might ha have to struggle in order to have uh, an avocado every single day with their um, lunch. Okay, so there is a shortage of avocados. Um, the prices rose 30% uh, this summer in July. And considering avocados already cost a pretty penny, some of us have decided to move to Mexico because in Mexico, avocados are still affordable. You know where else they are affordable if you're really committed to having that avocado and not feeling guilty about not paying tuition? Australia, the nation that gave the world avocado toast, now has too many avocados. Okay, so if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I can live the rest of my life struggling to get avocado on my toast, maybe consider a one-way ticket to Australia because in Australia, avocado smoothies, avocado cake, avocado chocolate mousse, you name it, and Australians are creating it with avocados. So apparently there is a Facebook contest going on where people submit the most creative avocado creations they could come up with, including grilled avocados, chocolate avocado, cupcakes, avocado fries, you know, I, I don't feel bad for Australians anymore. Everybody was so sad for them during Corona, the way they were trapped in their country, but they were fressing guns fine. Okay, so basically, there is an overload of avocados in Australia, and people are looking for ways to get rid of them because they're just rotting in the fields. And that is a sad piece of information, considering that some people could really use more avocados in their life, like this Israeli startup called Avomed. 
They are developing a technology to produce a unique and natural compound from avocado seeds for the treatment of skin damage and inflammatory disorders. So when I first saw this article, I thought, okay, great. You smash an avocado and you smear it on your face. We've all done that. Now that I said that out loud, I'm not 100% sure that we've all done that. Maybe it's just me. But in any case, avocados are just a super fruit, and that includes the actual avocado tree from the root to the fruit. Now, the avocado seed is one of those useless things that unless your kid is doing a science project where they want to grow something quickly and then you throw it out when they're not looking, there's really no use for it. But it turns out that they're actually kind of toxic. And when you leave them to rot in the ground, let's say you have a guacamole factory and you have all these extra seeds, they, they can actually wreak havoc on soil if they are just dumped and they actually have to be destroyed. So an Israeli startup company had a brilliant idea of using the avocado seeds to help fight skin damage that includes fine line spots, visible fine blood vessels, and uneven skin tone. Raise your hand if you suffer from any of these above. I'm raising my hand because I grew up in Florida before sunscreen was a thing. Oh my goodness, the amount of times that I have been burnt like a barbecue potato chip. You would think it would have turned me off barbecue potato chips for life, but alas, it hasn't. Anyways, back to the avocado seeds. An Israeli company here in Israel is creating a line of cosmetic products that are based on PFA. What is PFA? Hold on. A bioactive compound. (laughs) Okay. Ah, I'm cute, but I'm not that smart. A bioactive compound that is found in the avocado seed. And this way, instead of smearing avocado on our faces, avocado that's overly expensive unless you live in Australia, and then scraping it off afterwards and maybe eating it, again, just me, (laughs) you can use this incredible new product made out of the bio compounds found in avocado seeds. You could also save the the planet at the same time because the avocado seeds are not going to destroy the soil. They're going to be put to good use. And look great while doing it. And if that's not the be all and end all of everything that matters in life, having a great face to match that great personality that you are working on, I don't know what is. This episode of the Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you by Daily Giving. So my children came home from camp this week so excited because they spent the afternoon in Lamana Chai, an organization here in Israel that helps Israeli families get out of poverty permanently. And the kids came home so excited that they helped collect canned food and packaged food for Lamana Chai's grocery store that is on their premises available for families who need it. You know what else helps Lamana Chai? Daily giving, because daily giving gives Lamana Chai thousands and thousands of dollars every single month, thanks to people like you who sign up and commit to giving a dollar a day to the Tzedakah Fund of the Jewish people. It's basically a giant virtual Tzedakah box that collects at this point $10,903 a day and then distributes that $10,903 every single day to a different charity. That means in the next 12 months, $3,979,595 will be given to Tzedakah organizations all around the world like Hatzalah, Amudim, Shabbat.com, Aish, Yad Eliezer. I mean, the list goes on and on. So become a daily giver. Join the family. Join the movement. You will not regret it. The more we give, the more we get. Plus, we have the high holidays coming up, and we know that tzedakah is one of the ways to do tshuva. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for dailygiving.org slash the weekly squeeze so that they know I sent you. All right. Now it's time for a little poetry. I'm going to read you a poem that's been circulating on Instagram. 
And it is just so, you know what, I'll read it and then we could discuss it after. Here we go. It's called A Heartfelt Plea to Abbas Yisrael. I really don't mean to be a nag, but there's something that raises a red flag. Yes, it's the crossbody bag. You're probably all singing the same song. I don't believe it. What is wrong? Everyone's been wearing it all along. It seems like a mountain, a boulder, to wear a bag over one shoulder. Isn't that only for someone older? But the fact is that the body it wraps, perhaps it's due to the wide straps, or that the clothing nowadays is made out of straps. So I'm not kidding, because the wrong place it's hitting. Basmelech, please bear in mind that form showing of this kind is totally unrefined. We should, if we try our best, every day when we get dressed, to remove the bag from our chest. Okay, besides the fact that this is an awful poem, <laughs> apparently crossbody bags are a problem. Now, I wear crossbody bags because I don't want anyone stealing my bag. I, I don't know what the options are aside from wearing a backpack, a fanny pack, or a purse over one shoulder that is it's going to get snatched or fall off or just be uncomfortable and awkward. So a crossbody bag is the way to go. But apparently somebody feels that they are not sneeze. And that begs the question, what about seatbelts? Are seatbelts now immodest because they cross our bodies in a, a inappropriate way? And maybe that's why there's no seatbelts on Israeli buses. <laughs> we don't want to have any problems. Anyways, this is ridiculous. Um, but it, it gets better. If you think this is the most ridiculous thing that came out of the ultra-Orthodox, Tznius-obsessed world this week, it isn't. And I'm sorry to share this, but it was on the internet. It's not like I went into Curious Y'all and found the flyer on the street and thought, let me expose something that has nothing to do with me. Because whoever put this out made sure that it was printed digitally and it found its way to the internet, maybe purposefully or unintentionally, but here it is on my screen. So let me describe to you what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a filthy janitor's mop. So imagine the school custodian uh, opening up the janitor's closet where he keeps all his stuff, and there's a filthy, black, gross mop in the corner that's clearly been used and used again for the last 20 years without being washed, okay? That's the the, the imagery I want you to imagine. And then in Yiddish, in pink, because pink is the color that women love, there is a little blurb that says, which means... It's shameful to wear a long wig. This is how ugly it makes you. Now, you can argue that this ad is not for you. This ad is for the women in Curious Yol. What does it have to do with me or with you? Well, first of all, it says clearly, Ich bin a normale Yiddish Freud. So clearly they are suggesting that this messaging is for a normal Jewish woman, which which I am. I consider myself as normal as it gets. I went to a from school my entire life. I'm from from birth. I keep Shabbos. I keep kosher. I keep Chav Yisrael. I wear a sheitel, taras hamishpacha. I don't make challah, but you know, that's just a, a culinary decision. <laughs> but I am what you would consider a normal Jewish woman. And here is an advertisement of a filthy mop suggesting that if I wear a long sheitel, I am comparable to this disgusting, filthy, 
gross mop. Now, I have to say, as far as the campaign goes, very effective marketing. I mean, this stopped me in my tracks. I have never seen a more offensive ad in my life. And it had me thinking, is there any community in the world, in the world, any community in the world that would propose a restriction on women that would include an advertisement that features a filthy mop that describes the woman who doesn't assign to this thought process or doesn't assign to this structure, this community standard? And the answer is no. There's nowhere in, maybe, maybe, maybe in Arab countries. I don't know enough about Arab countries, but I wouldn't put anything past them. But any normal civilized culture that would put out an ad that would suggest that a woman is as disgusting and as ugly as a filthy mop if they have hair that's past their shoulders would be bombarded with accusations of emotional and and psychological abuse because this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable marketing. You cannot shame women into wearing short chetos or being modest or not wearing crossbody bags. There has never been any growth in religion when it's connected to shaming and to degrading women or men, children, any part of society. We don't grow when we are shamed. We grow when we are inspired. Had they put a, I mean, the truth is, I don't know what they could have put considering that they don't use the faces of women, but had they shared a beautiful picture of a home full of light and a a family joyfully together with, with, you know, wearing the clothing that they feel is appropriate for their community, that would have been a much more effective marketing ad for women who feel like, yes, this is what I want. I want this picture. And I believe that if I value myself enough and, and don't wear a provocative long wig, I will be blessed with these things and my house will be full of light. light. How amazing would that be? How beautiful a message would that be? But you can't do that because we don't put women in our ads. Instead, we, not we, they resorted to using a filthy mop after the Sant Marebbe of Kyrgyz Yol gave a speech with draconian rules for women. And this was the official advertisement by his community leaders to ridicule and drive away women who wear a shaitel that is a bit longer than what the Rebbe permits. Do I enjoy sharing things like this? I do not. But I also recognize, especially as a mother of daughters, that if we don't stand up and say, sorry, on behalf of my Jewish sisters, wherever they are and however they practice their Yiddishkeit, this is unacceptable. We are going to end up in a space where our daughters and our women and our Nashim Tzidkaniyais are, are withered away by the constant beratement and guilt trips that are, are laid at their feet by people that have no business telling women how to dress and how to be. Every, every Jewish woman can and should have a mashpia have a Rebbitzin in their life they can consult with, friends they can sit with and discuss how they can work on themselves and, and take on things as a community, but to be advertised as a filthy mop if your shaitel's past your shoulders? Well, that calls for a joke. A group of police officers are sitting outside a woman's house after she murdered her husband. One calls dispatch and says, we got a woman armed with a knife in here and she just killed her husband. And the dispatch says, do you know why she killed her husband? The officer replies, yes. She told him not to step on the floor right after she mopped, and he stepped on it anyways. So the dispatch asks, well, do you have her in custody yet? Nope, not yet, says the officer. Dispatch says, why not? 
The officer hesitates for a minute and then finally replies, well, the floor still looks wet. Now, I'm not suggesting that anyone killed their husbands, but if someone's husband brings this ad home and sticks it on the fridge, it's at his own risk. That's right. Now, this is a good news podcast, so let's end off with something positive. As of this morning, Eliel Deloya, 47-year-old father of 22 children from Nativ, has been missing. He told his wife he's going for a few days to Davin in Meron, but he did not return to participate in the engagement of his seventh son. He also doesn't have a cell phone, so his family called the police. The good news is, as of this morning, he was found in a shul in a vote, which begs the question, why would any man with 22 children want to ever go back home? <laughs> yeah, guy has 22 children. He's 47 years old and he disappeared for a few days. Cut him some slack, okay? Cut him some slack. She's lucky that he's not in Australia eating avocados with the koala bears up in a tree somewhere contemplating his life. Well, wherever you are today, don't forget to leave a five-star rating on the show. Thank you so much for sharing it with your friends, letting them know that you're enjoying the Weekly Squeeze. We are here every single week, Monday and Thursday, with all the good news and, you know, a little controversy mixed in here and there. But overall, if you're feeling good, you are listening to the Weekly Squeeze. So thank you for being here. Don't forget to sign up for Eleni's three-day challenge. Become a daily giver, and we will see you next week.